I started to realize that I was completely different than a lot of other people I was around. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How's it going? My name is Pete, coming to you from the Green Mountain State of Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host, Todd, coming to you from Washington State. What's up, Todd? What's happening, Vermont, Pete? How's it going? And I bet you are super excited for this episode, because I know I am, because we're going to make tonight a family affair. <laughs> family night at the, at the Schooling Struggle podcast. A couple weeks ago in our text correspondence, I got a text from Todd that said, hey, my son Ian is interested in coming on and chatting with us for an episode. What do you think? I said, Abs- I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Absolutely. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Ian, Todd's youngest son, age 20. And you recently just moved to the Midwest. We can talk about that for a moment, but I'm excited to dive into a couple different topics. Um, both have to do with yourself, Ian, and your father. Welcome to the show. What's up? Thank you, Pete. Really happy to be here. Uh, it's, I've been waiting forever to get on here, so pretty excited to start. Awesome. Rumor has it you just turned 20 uh, very recently, and you recently made your move out to the Midwest. Is that the truth? That is the truth. Moved down here with my fiance and her dad and her sister, and we're currently looking for houses, so we're taking our sweet time, that's what I could say. And where is here? Here as in Dubuque, Iowa. Dubuque, Iowa. Awesome. What led you to Iowa from Washington State? My fiance Lexi did, actually. Don't go into too much detail. Her parents are having issues, so he came back out here because his family's out here, and she was following, and I didn't want to lose her, so I followed as well. Nice. Fantastic. Awesome. So, so the first question I want to launch into, I'm just curious about this. And I'm thinking this is more for Todd. Uh, I've been a teacher for 17 years and I've taught a number of students uh, with a first name Ian uh, with a wide variety of spellings, but I've never actually seen the spelling I-A-E-N. So Todd, I'm curious to know where the spelling, this particular nuanced spelling came from for the naming of your, your youngest son. <laughs> it came straight from the straight from the depths of my brain. I liked Ian's because it was short and phonetically different. So it was just like a, a twist on the names. My parents had a thing. I think we talked about this before, Pete. Um, now you got me calling you Pete, and I don't even like that. So Peter, <laughs> listen up. My parents had a thing, and I think it was a thing in the seventies where all of all of um, all of the kids in my family, my sisters, have uh, double letters. So Jennifer. Renee, Ellis, Todd, Aaron, Ellis, blah, blah, blah. And so I started looking at, I, I thought about trying to do that. And then I was like, that's crazy. We're not going to be able to keep that over. So then I just started picking crazy names. And so um, Caitlin, we kind of crafted hers. And, and just until um, I think it was about a week ago, I realized that there was only one other person I've ever met with her, her spelling of her name the same as is, as we spelled hers. And then Quentin, just because that's an odd name. And then um, Rylan. I mean, they, they all have stories, but I, I just like to keep them all kind of different and crazy. So yeah, that's the story behind Ian. You, Ian, Ian, you had a funny smirk on your face when I asked that question. Uh, in full transparency, neither of the Ellis family members here know what I'm coming up with the questions for this evening. So you had, you had quite a smirk on your on your face when I led off with that one. Is, that, is there uh, something, something behind your thoughts about how your name is spelled? 
Well, actually, I've been uh, wanting to know the full answer to that question for a long time. I I know I asked him before, and he was like, I don't know. I just figured out to spell it that way. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that. So Have you had people pronounce it weird ways, like when you're like teachers calling off roster classes uh, and stuff like that? Ian is always a, a big seller. Ian. Yeah, or lean. Lean's pretty good. Based on the fact that you've shared that you want to come on to the episode and chat with us tonight, I'm guessing you've listened to one or more of our past episodes, and hopefully you've gleaned off of some past episodes that I really do think the world of your dad. Um, there was only one person that I asked to join me on this podcast journey, and it was him, and he's exceeded all my expectations. And the saying there is for us is that you know a happy life has zero expectations, but I had some expectations and he's just um, been an amazing podcast co-host and, and I value his presence in my life in so many ways. But at the end of our last episode, episode 56, we were talking about things that our parents did that drove us crazy, that we swore that we would not take on as habits. So I'm curious to know one, one of the first questions I have for you, and you can see where this is going, is when you think back on your life with your father, um, what is something that he did that drove you crazy that you swore when you became an adult, you would not do that thing. Ah, what um, a great question. Uh, he was really um, on top of the finer details when it came to, let's say cleaning up or picking up after yourself. There was always a, you miss it, you're screwed kind of thing. I don't really know how else to put that. So it was, uh, let's say I leave my sock on the ground or just one laying around. It'll, I'll get, get a good talking to from that and I don't I'm not much on the small details so that's just my dad that's a good one <laughs> we talk about sweeping the kitchen floor all the time oh sweet god <laughs> are you neurotic about sweeping the kitchen floor Todd I used to be I, I'm getting there again but I'm not so bad yeah yeah I, if I was a professional floor sweeper I, I could be good at it I've told you the floor story before. The light colored floor of the black dog drives me nuts. So I have a big black dog now again. So we're getting there. And Ian, um, as I've gotten to know your dad over the last year and a half with these weekly conversations, um, I, I've learned quite a bit about him. But on the flip side of that, what do you see as one of his biggest strengths, either as a as a parent or as a, a human? Overall, he's a great human. To be honest, he. Uh... He puts more of his time and effort into others than he does into himself. And that's something I actually really look up to because I don't have that kind of thing yet. So kind of working on it, but um, couldn't ask for a better dad. I do have a story if I could share. <laughs> um, we were, we, we've been arguing for some time in the past and uh, he comes home and takes my Xbox and tells me, he's like, you're not going to get this back. And I'm like, well, then I better do something else. So I, I got a job. That was actually my first job I got from that whole entire conversation. And then we came back a couple months later and uh, I told him how much I appreciated him taking that away because it led to me branching out and becoming an adult instead of being that stay-at-home kid that's always on video games. That's awesome. Uh, actually, just tonight, so the way my my evening works is on Mondays I get out of school, I go to the grocery store, come home, put the groceries away, cook dinner. We have dinner as a family. Then I hang hang out with my wife and my daughter, tuck my daughter in, and then come down here. And just a couple minutes ago, right before I tucked her in when we were having dinner, we were talking about one of the challenges of being a parent is the fact that you have to do things that your kid doesn't necessarily enjoy, but that moves them forward as a person. 
And an example from my week is, is that after we tuck our daughter in, she has a flashlight and she's allowed to read, read herself to sleep. So she'll read books. And when she gets really tired, she'll just turn the flashlight off and fall asleep. And I was doing dishes as she was falling asleep the other day. And she came out of her bedroom way past her bedtime when I thought she was already asleep. And she's like, daddy, uh, my flashlight fell down and I can't find it. I said, well, why don't you go in and look for it? Cause it must've turned off when it like fell off her bed in between her bed and her wall. And so she goes back into her room for two minutes, comes back out and says, daddy, I looked and I just can't find it. Will you help me find it? I said, nope. I said, if you want to read tonight, you need to go in and look all over your room and try to find that flashlight. And as a parent, you just want your kid to be happy, but to always make them happy doesn't move them forward as a person, much like what you just shared with your story. And I really, really just want to go in there. I know I'd find the flashlight in four seconds because there's only like two places it could be, but I'm not teaching her anything by just going in, finding her the flashlight and giving it to her. And that's something that's really tricky to navigate uh, as a parent. And Todd and I have had multiple conversations on the podcast about different examples from our parenting or where we've been challenged. And Todd, I'm going to turn it over to you and just ask you to share when it comes to your relationship with your son, um, what kind of resonates in your mind or what, what would you like to share as we kind of dig into the conversation of just having us all here? I don't know. It's, it's funny because when we, when we began to construct this idea of, of bringing Ian on, I really wasn't sure what to expect, like always, which is a great thing, but I didn't want to know any of it. Like I didn't want to be biased by, you know, cause like sometimes you'll go out and you'll do the thing and you'll figure out and pull all these strings and figure out what people want to talk about, bring them on. And I thought, well, I'll just let Peter, <laughs> I'll just let Peter and Ian talk and see, and see what comes out of that. Right. It's interesting for me to um, think about like the, the differences or since Ian's moved away, the differences in my mindset when it comes to like, um, like wondering what's going on. Like, oh, I wonder what Ian's doing. Or, oh, let me shoot Ian a text. Because before it was just like, well, Ian will be home later. Let's talk to him. Or, you know, it was always in proximity. And now it's like, you're somewhere different and it's 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 a different kind of relationship. But I, know, I think in a lot of ways, it's it's better. Maybe that's just selfishly for me. But I think it's better because now that we have this understanding of there's an open line of communication, but it can be it, it can be at the time where you need it as opposed to just when you get it. And I think that, I think that's a lot different and I, I don't know where we're going to take this episode, but I just wanted to share that with you. And I think that it's, I think that it's cool that much like me, like I think, I think that I've known and kind of to touch on what Peter was saying. I think that I've known that you have to find your own path kind of the same way that I found mine. And I think it's, it's cool to watch you do it. So good job. Um, Ian, before you moved recently out to the Midwest, had the two of you, lived in the same house for your entire life, you and your dad? Yes, sir. So this move right now is the, is the first time you've been away from home for any extended period of time? Yes, sir. So the other day I asked my students and it went into a great conversation. I said, what's something that you've learned recently? And we went to this really, really in-depth, very powerful discussion for a group of high schoolers. I'm curious to know when it comes to your relationship with your dad, how has your dad helped you become a better version of yourself? Even in the time of me leaving and moving to Iowa, there's already one big thing I can already look up to him because of, which is um, his job. Right after that, I was like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you want to talk about it? And he was like, oh, we're just on to the next adventure. Um, I haven't even told my parents this yet, but I just quit Nordstrom or I just quit my job. Um, big reveal. <laughs> it's the big reveal episode. I didn't, I didn't like it there very much, so I see it as a new opportunity is what it is. Our second to last episode, we talked about Todd's 
transitioning from a full-time job to not so much. And I had a number of people that I haven't even told Todd this. I've had a number of people that listen to the podcast, reach out and be like, Oh my gosh, I I feel so bad for Todd. This, you know, he had a a series of challenges happen and uh, you know, I I just feel awful, but it sounds like he's, he's got a mindset that's, that's bulletproof and he's handling it with grace. And I just think that's really cool. And, And I said to them, you know what? I was really worried about him too until I talked to him and I I've let that worry go. I don't carry that burden anymore because he seems to be handling in a way that is just so healthy and so productive. So what you just shared about him is uh, something that I see him in as well. And Todd, I'm going to flip it back. Same question to you. What has your relationship with your son and your interactions with your son uh, taught you? You should be, you should, you should, uh, you should have a podcast. You have great questions. It's so hard to put a finger on one thing. I th- I think you don't have to control everything all the time, and it's and it's for me like that's what I, that's the narrative goes on in my head. And things will be okay without me being always thinking I have to be there. Does that make sense? Like like I don't always have to be trying to control something because everything will take care of itself eventually. And I think I think the biggest lesson that I've seen from Ian leaving is it's it's okay to let things go because eventually you're not really letting it go. You're just giving it a tether, a, a length to grow by itself. Does that make sense? So it's like, oh, it'll be fine. You can come back whenever you want. <laughs> you know, obviously there might be some stipulations, but you know, like go over there and do the thing. And and I can be okay with that where I didn't think that I would be like, I didn't think that I'd be that okay with like the overall situation. Like it, it just seems to eat and Ian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like it's easier for you or for, you know, for you to like, just do your own thing. Where before it always felt like it was like steeped in parental oversight. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's cool that you're growing the way you want to instead of in somebody else's mold, which is eventually the plan, anyways. But yeah, yeah, I'm just really grateful for the two of you willing to come on and do this. And it's neat that it's kind of in this transitional phase, Ian, in your life right now, where you've just made the move away from the nest and you're kind of planting your own seeds and doing your thing in unfamiliar territory, which I think takes you know a lot of courage. And I've always thought that confidence is the foundation on which all successes are built. But I'm coming around to learn that I think it's more about courage because confidence is the belief that you can do something and you'll move forward because you believe you can accomplish the thing. Whereas courage is you're willing to do the thing with the unknown and you might not know that you're going to be successful. You might not feel that you're going to be successful, but you go and you do the thing and you try the thing anyway. And um, I've always kind of told my students that self-confidence is, is the most important thing, but I, I'm believing now that it's courage. It's neat to see you fly in the coop, going halfway across the country, and then, you know, however, a bit later saying, eh, this job is good, but not good enough. I'm going to, I'm going to search for better because I have courage and belief that I'm going to, that I'm going to do something better. I think that's really cool. What an interesting self-confidence because how can you even have that without courage? Like you ha- it roots in courage, doesn't it? Like you have to be courageous in order to be confident and or else you're just an egomaniac. Uh, I think I would push back on that and say if you had a life where you feel like you've accomplished everything that's come your way, you build self-confidence and self-confidence can be built without taking risks or without taking chances. Like you've just been successful in whatever endeavors mm-hmm. you've taken on. Yeah, Maybe you were innately abil- you had the innate ability to accomplish the thing or you were never a, a real challenge was never put in front of you and yeah, you yeah. just believe that you can do stuff even though you might not have ever really been challenged. So yeah, that's sense. that's where I believe that it'll comes self, from. It'll self-correct it eventually. Yeah. 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 
So just, Ian, um, one, one area where your dad has really, really had a profound impact on me when your dad talks about if something feels healthy, uncomfortable to lean into that and to dig into it and to explore that. And I'm curious to know if he's had impact on you the same way that he has me. And if there's any examples from your life that you can think of where you were, you know, faced with the uncomfortable thing or doing the un- uncomfortable thing. Yeah. We've had this conversation about, uh, or my dad and I have had this conversation about leaning into uncomfortable situations, but um, even the move, the the whole start of the move, I was going in probably the most blind out of anybody. I have nothing here. I got everything. My whole life was built back over there. But from what my mom has told me, I have a pretty big heart I, and I followed that. So um, that's just one example that I can think of at the moment. I jumped in feet first and it's kind of been my thing. So I'm going to just keep on kicking. I feel that your dad has a ready, fire, aim approach with some stuff. I think that's where he and I see stuff very similar. Let's take action and see what comes of it. And, and I love that about him. And I think that that is evident in what you're, in what you're doing right now. So, um, yeah, take us, take us into your world, Ian, if you could tell, tell us a little bit more about what you have going on. I mean, one, the first thing that came to mind was just the whole ADHD thing. I feel like that was a big impact on my, let's say seven through 14 years of my life. Um, when you say the whole ADHD, are you, ADHD thing. Are you saying that you have a similar diagnosis to your dad or are you talking about your dad's ADHD? No, mine is pretty darn close to his, I'd say. Um, that I, feel, I feel like that's why we butt heads most of the time. Mm. Um, pretty much the same person. He's just a couple chapters ahead. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It started with, I started to realize that I was completely different than a lot of other people I was around. Let's say I used to have to take that ADHD pill slash medicine everywhere that I went. If it was overnight, I'd have to take it everywhere. If I didn't, I wouldn't be able to stay another night kind of thing. I realized at that point that I was different because I had to take something that nobody else had to take just to be considered regulated or considered not energetic. Yeah. So it really took a turn when I was at uh, my aunt's house. They have a dirt bike track there and I was riding my cousin Brody's bike and I hit a jump too hard turn the front, bend the rim. I tell my uncle and then they all start yelling at me saying like, every time I'd come over there, I'm too much, I'm too energetic. And that every time I'm over there, something always goes wrong. How um, old were you when this occurred? I'm pretty sure that I was 14 years old. Okay. So at that point it was like, I'm obviously not the same. So I'd rather just not go to a place where I'm not looked at as the same, which happened to be that, that house. So from there, I stopped taking my ADHD medicine, probably junior year of high school, and just let people accept me for me. If they don't like it, they can get going. What age did you start taking it? Did age seven? Dad helped me out here. Yeah, something like that. Pretty young. Is there research that shows that that type of thing is uh, genetic oh, and yeah. passed down? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Guaranteed. Caitlin would know too. Yeah, yeah. My daughter has it too, so everybody. Similar diagnosis. Yep, yep. Yeah. And do you have any specific quirks because of it that either that you share with your dad or that you have differently from him? Not that I know of. Like I said, I, I see him as me, just just a little bit older. Just... Yeah, it's pretty strange listening to these stories because it's exactly the same thing. It's it's uh it's almost chapter for chapter. Like yeah, I felt I felt the same way going going to the nurse's office. I felt the same way at my 
you know, and in certain situations, I left and chased a girl to the Midwest, well, to the South, but like, it's, it's very strange how, when I, if you, if you step back from it and look at it, it's actually quite profound, but maybe I'll leave um, you some so- little notes <laughs> tucked in a little cre- crevice somewhere you can figure it out. <laughs> Don't start off behind the financial eight ball like I did. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, so I guess the next series of questions I have, I, I'd really love either of you to answer because I'm, I'm genuinely uh, curious, one, as someone who just is curious about this, but two, as someone who teaches students you know, with a diagnosis. And, I, and I've sat through many uh, uh, IEP meetings where, where these terms are, are thrown around and, and different accommodations are made for students. But Ian, when it comes to what, people see differently in you than what is quote unquote normal. What is it that they're seeing? Is it a special ability to do something? Is it an inability to do something? Is it? It's a superpower. In what regard? They just just don't have it. I see. I don't see it as a disability. I see it as a superpower more like, you know, I'm just completely different than most. Let's say, let's say there's something I really like. I can dead set focus on that for four or five hours straight if I wanted to and be completely fine. But I don't even know how else to explain that. Was school a challenge, sitting and listening? Uh, yeah, but there was a couple that uh, made it easy for me. Drew Romberg would know. He made it pretty easy for me. Is that a uh, teacher's name? Yeah, That is a teacher. He went. He was at the CrossFit gym and everything, too. He's a, he's a good friend. But uh, there was... I would usually ask for something to tap with or something to do. So Did I you don't. did you make it through high school? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. He got that one. Huh? See, that's because Jocelyn would let it slide. That wasn't going to yeah, happen. Yeah. <laughs> you, can ask, you can thank mom for that one. I probably yeah, for wouldn't sure. have it if it wasn't for her. Definitely not. He's got one up on you. Yeah. 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 Todd, I'm, I'm curious as, as the father who was challenged by or happy to take on the superpower to, to be raising a son who's dealing with some of the stuff that you dealt with as a kid, how did you navigate that? Like an example <clears throat> for my life is my wife is very, very even keeled. I am not. I have high highs and low lows and my daughter has high highs and low lows. So when my daughter has a tantrum, my wife says, I just, I just don't understand. And I can look at my daughter at that moment and say, I, I empathize a hundred percent with what she's frustrated with right now. And I know exactly how she's feeling. And it's very difficult for me to articulate to my wife yeah. how, how or why my daughter feels that way. I just know how she feels. Yeah. What's the question? The question is, how was navigating that, knowing that your son was faced with many of the challenges and obstacles that you were faced with growing up? Yeah, that's a loaded question. The, I remember my dad used to tell me, we'd get in heated battles, and he used to tell me that he just wished that there was a way that like, he could he could take a cord out of the back of his head and plug it into mine and, and like download the experience that provided him the perspective by which he was trying to teach. Like He's trying to get a point across. I clearly am not getting it. And he's like, I wish I had this thing that I could give you. It's much the same way. And I think it's the same for all parents. But I think it's it's even more interesting for me because, and again, it's all kind of sobering reality now. It's like, I know where I tripped and I know you're heading the same way. And th- I think this is just an overall parenting thing. But I don't want you to go that way, but you're going to have to go that way to figure it out. Like I, I know enough about all the pieces that make up Ian to know that if you're going to have to go that way to figure it out and it's going to suck. But then you, on the other side, you're you're managing your spouse and like, I don't get it. How are you going to let him fail like that? Well, there's no other way for him to get it, right? So you you manage this double-edged sword of trying to leave that, you know, like that space we talked about earlier, trying to leave that space for somebody to go explore in a way that you think is going to be the most beneficial to them at the same time trying to balance 
you know, a, a relationship with, you know, a partner you're going through life with and who is also the parent and, and like not being able to articulate, you, you're just going to have to do this. <laughs> like, cause she doesn't get that. Like, I mean, she does, but like, she has a very hard time letting things go. Like, I'm just going to let it go. And so that's, that's a difficult piece. And then knowing when to jump in or, or not, or when to leave that space or create that space and then hold it. That's, that's another trick altogether because of like, like I know how it is to get, you know, hyper-focused on things. I know how it is to get, you know, time blindness. And suddenly I didn't realize that I was supposed to be doing something and somebody's calling me on it now. And I'm like, oh, that was four hours ago. I totally forgot. Right. Like, and they just don't get it. And so the, I don't know. I've, I've tried to exemplify as best I could the way things are in reality. I don't know if it came through, but I remember having some, some pretty good conversations. I don't know if you call them conversations, maybe one-sided, but uh, with Ian about this is just the way life is. Like, if you don't like it, you can leave. Feel free. But I mean, you're gonna you're gonna figure it out on the other side because this is just the way things go, right? And and you know, I remember just clear as day, I was standing in the living room. Jocelyn's like, "What are you talking about?" And Ian's like, "I'm out." And I'm like, "Okay, well, here we are." So, but it's just knowing how to manage that, or or being willing to step into manage that. That's very difficult from the parenting side. But then there's also a pain of, like you said, that there's that empathetic compassionate piece where you're like, I know exactly how this feels when somebody tells you you're always messing things up. I know exactly how it feels to be on the Ian side looking at <laughs> my dad going, what are you, you're, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? And then trying to, you know, so I don't know. It's one of those weird things in parenting. And now it's coming in grandparenting. I keep talking, I keep touching on this, but now Maxwell, like our oldest grandson currently, well, he'll always be the oldest, I guess. Like I'm beginning to see it now from the third person and then to see his mom navigate the same thing in the middle of that is just like, it's just like this echo chamber of, I don't know, it's a life sector, echo chamber. It's a weird thing. I don't know if that answers your question. I was talking with a colleague today and he was saying that he regrets how much time, so he has, he has kids that are grown up now with their kids and, and he was saying he he regrets how much time he gave to school and gave up time with his family when he was coming up through his you know middle age, and he said that he can say with utter certainty that he's a much greater better grandparent than he was a parent. And I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah. I'm you know I'm not there yet, and I often don't, <laughs> don't you know don't connect unless it you know yeah. it has a something that I can relate to. But um, as I kind of make my way through the world and and think about that, I think that's really really fascinating thing. Yeah. So Ian, um, Todd and I often will bring people on and call the episode BYOS, bring your own struggle. And you, you just share with us that, that ADHD uh, has proven a struggle for you in a myriad of ways throughout your life. And one of the things that we like to ask people that come on the podcast is what are some things that you do to navigate through that challenge? So, um, like your father, says that he's really taken to meditation, that meditation helps him get through stuff. You're shaking your head. No, I'm with you. I've tried meditation every single way that I can possibly try. Your father's spent his own money and sent me a book about meditation. And I, I, I just haven't put it into practice in a way that I've found to be fruitful for me yet. I'm not giving up on it, but it's not there yet. And I'm curious to know what tactical things that you're putting in your life or what are some things that you're doing to help you get through the, the navigation or you're like, Hey, this is my superpower. Like I love this thing. I'm going to be going in on it four to five hours a day. And I think that's a great thing. So I'm just curious to know your perspective on that. Uh, work. It used to be a struggle. I'll say that. Um, I don't see it as one now. I just accept it. Like I said, if you don't, if you're not going to accept me for me, then 
okay, I'll just do my own thing. I'd say my actual main struggle for now is uh, lack of motivation to do about anything. Just every day, even at work, it was, I want to be here less and less. I don't even want to come tomorrow. I don't want to do anything outside of here. I don't, I, uh, What's here? Uh, this house, hmm. almost called it home. <laughs> Careful um, now. I know, entering dangerous territory there. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason here, it, let's say that it still feels more like I'm on vacation than I am in a new home. That's probably, you, that's my main struggle right now. Have you experienced this lack of motivation before in your life? Not, not to this not, extent. Yeah. So I, I think it's just me trying to, or my brain trying to realize that this is where I'm at. Like this is, this is, you're here. Like, like you live here let now. The, so. Let the reality soak in. Yeah. Interesting. So, lack of motivation what you, is my what are you What are you doing about that? I'm trying to get out there. I'm applying for jobs. I got... I've just been taking care of these awful dogs and doing all that stuff. So, yeah, the other day I had to go to PetSmart and drop 200 on one of those carrier kennels because my English pit bull can use his huge head to bust out of the metal bars now. So, appreciate you opening up and sharing about that. So, in the last month, I've been in the process of trying to pass a kidney stone, and I didn't know what kidney stones were more than a month ago. But essentially, your body just develops this. It's literally a rock in your kidney and then passes it eventually through your urination system and then out. And it is the most painful thing that I've ever experienced in my life. For nine days, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. It hurt to breathe. And after um, coming through that, I'm not in any way comparing myself to you or trying to put myself in your shoes, but I just felt so unmotivated to do anything. And what scared me was all the stuff that I'd normally like to do, I just didn't want to do. Working out has been a major part of my life. I didn't want to do that. Connecting with people and interacting with people, I'm very extroverted. I didn't want to do that. It was just these weird feelings that I'd never had before. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, is is this what people talk about when they're talking about depression? Or is this what people talk about when they're in a funk or a rut and they just can't get out? And the million dollar question is, how do you motivate if you're unmotivated? Like any young spry 44-year-old would do, Ian. I took the internet and was just Peru went down a, a YouTube rabbit hole of ways to break out of a funk. And um, this one guy, I don't remember who he was, was talking about back in the day, if your computer wasn't working and you need to reset it, you had to hit control, alt, delete. And you hit control, alt, delete, and you hold those buttons down and it would reset the computer. But the only way for the computer to reset was for you to take the physical action of hitting control, alt, delete. And... I was like, well, that's not really all that helpful. And then I thought, well, how can I do that with my life? And I decided I'm just going to force myself to do a couple things that I used to like to do and see what happens. So I went out in the garage and just did a really short workout, uh, texted a couple friends, called a couple friends. And the next day, uh, it wasn't that I wanted to do those things, but I just wanted I, I, the thought of doing them wasn't as uncomfortable as the day before. So I just I just did it again. And here I am a couple weeks later now, and I'm, I'm almost back into full swing. But it was it was really weird that that thing happened to me. I, I was not anticipating that at all. I figured it was just a little sickness, no big deal. I'll just kind of move on. And I hadn't felt that unmotivated for a while. And my friends come over and work out after school. I have a pretty cool home gym. And I walked in the garage one day, and they're all in there warming up. And I just walked in and said, this is really hard to admit to myself and even harder to admit to all of you. I just don't, I just don't want to work out. Like, all I want to do is watch TV. 
I just want I just want to watch TV. And they're like kind of laughing and poking fun at me. And they're like, oh, we've never heard you say it before. We've never known you'd be a TV watcher. I was like, that's just where I am right now. And, and they were totally supportive of it. They were totally cool. They're like, well, then we'll stay outside here and work out. You go inside and watch TV. It was just, it was hard. So um, for you to share that with us is, is, I'm sure, not an easy thing. And for me, it was, what's the smallest thing I can do to kind of get this snowball rolling? It was to go out to the garage and do, you know, five, 10 or 15 minutes of something and try to build on that. I definitely don't have an answer, but that manually hitting the reset switch, I had to realize that like at some point I can't just keep looking at this faulty computer. I need to hit the control alt delete. And that's up to me to take the action to do that. And uh, I'm feeling better as, as a result of it. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I, I think the same thing. I think there's a, there's a book um, I, I think I've talked about it before. It's called the five second rule. And um, the chick that wrote her, her name's Mel Robbins. And she found herself in a funk like real bad. Like, like she was laying in bed for a couple of weeks and people were like, what happened to Mel Robbins? She was like a CNN, like a correspondent on CNN and she disappeared. And she was telling the story about how she figured this thing out, what she calls the five second rule. And she was laying in bed and the drapes were all closed and everybody was calling and nobody could figure out where she was. And she was watching, um, she was watching a NASA rocket launch. It was on the launch pad and it's, you know, five, four, three, two, one. And then it went and she, and what she correlated that to in her mind was if I start counting down from five and I just go do anything <laughs> that's more positive than lay in this bed and, and, you know, like just keep feeding the circle of despair, then, you know, then that gets me closer to the next thing. And, and what it was, was once the launch, once the rocket leaves launch pad, it ain't coming back. I mean, unless something catastrophic happens, right? Like we're, we're on our way. And so she just, she just started doing that five, four, three, two, one, you know, open the curtains, five, four, three, two, one, brush my teeth. And it's the same thing. Like you were talking about, Peter, it's like, it's, it's remembering that that muscle is there, that you can always do something to move forward as opposed to languish in the fact that you're in a place where you don't necessarily want to be, but you put yourself there, right? So I think that's the hardest part to to swallow as a as an individual is, and maybe this applies to you, maybe it doesn't. Yet, but like, I got myself in this mess, and what the hell am I going to do about it? And how am I going to begin to do something about that? And I, it's it's a it's an interesting thing because I I try I do it all the time when I'm working out. Like if I'm staring at the barbell and I'm breathing hard and I'm like, okay, well, what, you're still going to have to do all these thrusters. I'm like five, four, three, two, one. You better pick it up, and then you know you pick it up and you start moving ahead because if you do, if you're just idling often oftentimes you're just gonna sit there and spin and that's not helpful for people with minds like ours but what you did ian it is, is no small feat to leave a place you live for 19 years yeah go live somewhere brand new and do something brand new uh with people that aren't the, the same people new. that you've been living with yeah, <laughs> yeah. so right. people have to tell this to me more than i tell it to other people but just to have compassion with yourself and be patient with yourself and and know that it's all right that you're struggling and to and to just think about like what's the the smallest thing I can do to help move myself forward. And I work with kids that are similar in age to you, and oftentimes they feel this cultural pressure to feel that they should know what they want to do with their life when they're in their early twenties and to start like making moves or shaping that. And I just think that I just don't believe in that. I'm, yeah. I didn't really start thinking seriously about where what direction I want to carve for myself until I was thirty, and um, and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, even though I'm 44. But I do love, I do love this podcast, and I do love getting together on Monday nights with your old man to just to chop it up and talk about things that are that are impacting our lives. That's cool. If you need some help, Ian, let me know. I know, I know, I have that that safety net and that fallback. No, I I know 
I would just, I'm hoping I made the right choice where I don't have to use it. That's all. Yeah. Well, don't wait too long. <laughs> Cause then yeah, you're yeah. like, Ooh, I should use that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as we get ready to wrap up, Ian, I'm curious, and this is a question that I've been asking my students recently, and um, based on where you are in your life and what you're doing, I'm, I'm curious to know your perspective on this. But uh, as I shared, I have a daughter who's seven. And from your perspective, if I want to have a really close relationship with my daughter when she's your age, what should or can I be doing now with her to invest into having a close relationship with her be through there. the age that she is? In what regard? See, if I if I take this into like the same as Lexi kind of thing, because Lexi, that is my fiance, she has a very, very tight relationship with her father. And she says that it's being there and supporting them in the in their absolute lowest is what she says. It's it's her biggest thing. He's been there in her absolute lowest time. He didn't he didn't offer solutions. It was more of a I'm here to listen and I'm not going to tell you how to fix it kind of thing. It's I'm just here to listen to let you get it out. So I wouldn't know, but that's what I've heard. Uh, I try to once a month ask my daughter, what can I do right now to be a better dad? And I asked her that tonight before I came on and she said, find my flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) She said, I think that you should talk less, listen more and be more empathetic to see other people's perspectives. That's, that's what she that's said. The, the exact language she used with me. Oh. <laughs> she did soak it up to Peter. Uh, <laughs> Way to go, LJ. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm really not big on telling another man how to live his life, but I, I went off the beaten path. I did graduate from high school. I did go straight to college. After I graduated from college, I decided to live out of the back of my truck and be a snowboard bum for a number of years. And... um I don't regret it for a second. I just, my rule was I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do. And it sounds so simplistic and so easy, but the number of people, especially in our culture, in my opinion, that take on stuff that they don't want is really, it's massive. Expensive apartments they don't want, fancy cars that after a month they don't want to pay for, get a puppy and it turns into a dog that you don't want anymore. Um, you know, take this amazing job that has all this uh, salary and then six months later you find out you are you're got the golden handcuffs and you're locked and you're miserable. And for me, it was just like, eh, if I don't want to do this thing, I'm not going to do it. And it was a really, really cool way to navigate my 20s. Mm. And it led me to some really, really awesome opportunities and some really cool things that I did, different adventures, different challenges. Uh, my rule was I always spent less money than I made and I often made very, very, very little money. And I just kept my living expenses very low key, but not doing what I don't want to do has been a very powerful, powerful way to live my life. And I'm grateful that I was able to follow through on that when I was your age, because it didn't get me stuck in anything. Thank you. I will uh, actually consider that. (laughs) Obviously part of, part of growing is you got to crawl before you can walk and you got to grind and you got to do some things you don't want to do in the moment. But from a grand scale, you know, how, how can we put that into play? to make our life more purposeful, more fulfilling. And that's been helpful for me. That's awesome. Your parents awesome, probably thought awesome. you were nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. And my dad was very, very conservative yeah. and uh, very by the book. And when I told him I was going to ride, ride my bicycle across the country, he was really upset. When I told him I was going to go spend some time in Brazil, he was really upset. When I said I'm going to Australia, New Zealand for a couple months. And 
when I'm buying a 1970 Ford RV and driving it across the country and I have no money and I'm going to go fish in Alaska for a summer. Like, yeah, because he, he never left home and that was really uncomfortable, uncomfortable things for him. But at the same time, I'll give him credit. He never held me back. You know, he said, as long as I was supporting myself, I could go do whatever I want and I'd have his full support. And, and he stuck true to that. Sweet. Yeah, it's good. All right, all right. Well, on this Father's Day episode, ah. on behalf of Ian and Todd, just want to thank you all for your ears. We really appreciate your attention. We are incredibly grateful for your time. With that said, we are the School Instructor Podcast. We are out. See ya. See ya.